Hello, welcome back to the Matt Pfeiffer Experience. I am your host, Matthew Pfeiffer, and today we have on a very special guest, Kalina Plucky from KF Law in Atlanta, Georgia. Kalina, thank you very much for joining us. And today we're going to be talking about co-parenting and we're going to be talking about understanding the difference. But before we get into that, uh, I'm going to toss it over to Kalina. Kalina, if you could just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us how how'd you get started. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, so, uh, you know, I am uh, based in Atlanta. I graduated from law school in 2013. Um, wasn't the best job market back then, so you took whatever attorney job you could. Um, so I did uh, catastrophic injuries, uh, workers' comp and personal injury, and really enjoyed, you know, advocating uh, for the little guy. Uh, but it wasn't exactly the area I loved, and I didn't really feel called to that area of practice. Um, and then about four years after pra uh, practicing that type of law, I decided to make the jump into family law. Um, family law really just kind of was a calling. I think especially for family law attorneys that you speak to, they feel called to, that to this area of practice. It's not something that you kind of just practice on the side. You'll hear a lot of attorneys either love it or hate it, and the ones that love it are really just called to this area. Um, and I, I kind of felt called to it because my parents went through a divorce when I was 12. Um, it was a pretty nasty divorce. Um, I was definitely that kid put in the middle that we have at those um, parenting plan provisions that, you know, you don't discuss the case with the child. You don't ask for child support through the child. Yeah, that was me, you know. Um, I had to ask my dad for the child support monthly and all that. So, um, and then when I was in law school, actually, I had a, a daughter, I wasn't married. And so we had to go through the family court system to get custody and child support and visitation set up. And so I saw it through the eyes of parent and especially a young parent back then. Um, and then unfortunately, a few years later, I went through my own divorce when I was practicing family law. Um, and you know, it was, so I have really just seen the system from all angles. I've, I've been a, a parent, a young parent going through it without the divorce attached. I've been, um, a parent with the divorce attached. I've been the child going through the divorce and I also practice it on a daily basis. So, um, you know, it's, it's just kind of ingrained for better or worse, um, into who, yeah. who I am and I really enjoy the area. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to dig into that a little bit further because, uh, you know, not many people that we've had on here, uh, or at least they haven't opened up about the fact that they've experienced it as a child. And, you know, I think that that's something that a lot of people, uh, some knowledge that, that a lot of people could um, could use. Um, but before we get into that, um, you know, tell us about your experience in terms of you, you actually had a political run uh, at one point in time. Uh, tell us, uh, what was that experience like for you? Um, you know, it was definitely a learning experience, um, especially a, being 10 years in family law practice and, and really excelling at that practice. Um, it was a whole different kind of arena. Um, you know, I, I didn't even win the primaries. Um, and it was, I, I really, I just have this, I, I don't know what else to call it, but a, a call to serve. And, yeah. uh, you know, I really am saddened by the state 
of our current Congress um, and just the complete inability uh, for action, for compromise. Um, you know, I know there's some times where there's some things you don't compromise on. There's some things you need to compromise on to make everybody yeah. um, to to be- to make the betterment of the country. Um, and I really just wanted to get in there, roll on my sleeves and help. Um, but you know, the, the thing is you, you really got to have put your heels in, raise money, you know, get that corporate money, all that kind of stuff. And it was an ex- new experience for me. I, I didn't really have any, um, experience in it. I didn't know, um, anything about the area. Um, and so it wasn't successful. Um, you know, I, I'm not ruling it out in the future, but right now I, I'm really enjoying family law and I've recently gotten to doing family law appeals, which is really nice um, because I do see a lot of judges that have been abusing the um, system against uh, parents and a lot of people, because family law uh decisions are so hard to appeal uh the judges think that they have carte blanche to do whatever they want and so it's been really it's reinvigorated me into this area of law doing these appeals um and really making sure that we cement that the judges are following the right law in the courtroom well, I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of pushback. Uh, I don't believe, I don't think there is such thing as failure. So your run isn't a failure. I don't know anyone else who's actually run for any political office outside of, you know, maybe aldermen and things like that, you know, so congratulations on your, on your run. And I think that even though you didn't, um, might've been a blessing in disguise that you didn't win. Right. So uh, we never, we never see the other side of things. And one quick question before I move forward, um, in, in terms of your political run, what is a what would you say is a common misconception about maybe the political scene or the behind the scenes of running for office that maybe people just just don't know? Um, I, I would say a common misconception is especially here in the state of Georgia. So if you choose to, uh, You've got you've got to pick a party, unfortunately. Um, and you know, it, I think it also a common mixed conception is once you pick one of those parties, you're gonna agree a hundred percent with whatever their agenda is, um, which just isn't the case. But it, especially in the state of Georgia, to run as an independent, you have to go collect you know a, an immense a number of individual. Um, signatures which just you don't have to do with a party you have a party backing um and they just say they just give all the signatures that are required um which i think the biggest misconception with people is just not getting to know candidates um and really really listening um and then also incumbents i think it's the devil people know and so they're like well it's the devil i know so i'd rather deal with that and what um they're producing rather than getting someone new in and i think we need a lot of new blood yeah absolutely so if, um one of you you know you mentioned your call you have a calling uh in terms of these appeals now right in terms of uh appealing uh different um different court cases family law cases and that sort of thing 
this is the first time that I've actually even heard of anything like that. And that's, you know, I, I've seen, you know, a lot of, you know, thousands and thousands of people. And I, I think that a lot of people are going to be interested in hearing a little bit more about what that dynamic is like. Um, what, you know, tell us like, what is, what is that all about? And in terms of, of an appeal, how would someone know that they can or should appeal something? Um, give us a little bit more of what that world is like. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, uh, appeals are an area of law that you just getting an order is going to be very hard for you to discern whether or not you're going to be able to appeal because appeals are based on a lot of technicalities, whether the judge followed the procedure, whether they followed the correct law um, and, and did all the proper steps. Um, so you can't appeal just because you disagree with the judge's decision. However, if the judge isn't following the proper law and not applying it and didn't follow the proper procedure, you can appeal. Um, you, here in the state of Georgia, when you get an order, um, you have uh, 30 days to, to file either a notice of appeal or a discretionary appeal. So you have to move pretty quickly when you get um, that order. And, you know, there we see a lot more appeals in other areas of law because there's more corporations dealing with appeals. Uh, appeals are expensive. So you're, you additionally have to pay for the entire record to be transferred up, the, the entire case to be transcribed, um, and to have an attorney get into all the technical areas and um, appeal those areas. And so corporations usually have that money to just go ahead and appeal and fight judgments, whereas, and especially in family law, um, you don't. But when, when judges, uh, I mean, I've had literal judges on the record when I told them, you know, your honor, you're not following the law, your honor, um, you know, in one case that there was a guardian at Whiteham, the judge demanded that the kids testify in open court, even though they were represented by a guardian at Whiteham, literally say, if you don't like it, appeal me. Because they know that, yeah, they know that in family law, I mean, you're, these parents usually don't have the money to appeal these cases. Um, and so I, I, and that wasn't just the one case that I've heard. I've been told many times in my cases when pointing out certain law to judges, if you don't like it, appeal me. And uh, so I've started doing that. I mean, I, I want to start holding them accountable. You can't just be told the law, know the law, research the law, and then decide to throw that out the window and even tell lawyers and parties flat out, if you don't, I'm going to do what I want. And if you don't like it, appeal me. Um, so I'm holding them to that now. Um, uh, for the person who might be listening, who might feel like they need to appeal, um, number one, it sounds like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like something that most lawyers probably don't want to do. Um, because it sounds like it probably creates a lot of, uh, a lot of enemies. Step on that. Some that's going to create friends. Um, most attorneys kind of just want to skate by and like, you know, um, and there's not, and there's not necessarily in a lot of situations, anything wrong with settling things out of outside of court and that sort of thing. But, um, from what I understand, they typically want to avoid litigation, want to avoid arguing, want to avoid appealing and those sorts of things. Um, for the person who's listening that feels like they might be going down that path, 
Is there a specific type of attorney that they might need to find? Would they need to hire someone new? Um, you know, what would that what would that look like? Yeah, so you're right. There's not a lot of, especially a lot of family law attorneys uh, that do appeals. Um, and so most family law attorneys, because there's such a small number of family law attorneys that do appeals, if you ask your attorney, hey, do you know a family law attorney that does appeals, um, could refer you to a handful that they know, um, you know, it, looking on Google and Avo for a specific uh, family law attorney that knows appeal or that does appeals um, it is another way to do it. But you're right. I mean, especially here in the state of Georgia, we do an appeal. And I tell my clients this before we decide to file an appeal is, you know, even best case scenario here in the state of Georgia, if we appeal and we win on the appeal and we win everything. And let's say our best case scenario is that it gets sent back down for a new trial. Number one, the judge has been scolded um, in writing saying you didn't follow the law. This is the proper law. Now apply the proper law. Um, number two, it goes back down to the same judge. If they're still sitting on the bench, it goes back down to that same judge. So, um, you know, I've, I've really found a mix of judges. Some judges um, respect um, more uh, the process because they know, especially if you, in um, some of my cases, I have my clients retain me back again for the lower court case. Um, so when I walk in, the judge is like, okay, she, she knows how to appeal. She's going to appeal if I don't follow the law. And then I have, um, you know, had judges experience with judges that um, clients have said have not it there's so much in family law that's the judge's discretion so they use their discretion to not technically punish for the appeal but you know it it's not always a more favorable outcome when you go back down yeah um for the person who's listening who may not have um a lot of access to finances that might want to appeal. Is there anything that they can do, or is it something that they probably need to do pro se? Um, is, uh, what advice would you give someone that may not have um, the expenses to be able to afford an appeal? So, I mean, you you are a hundred percent able to do an appeal um, pro se. Um, the especially in Georgia, the Georgia Court of Appeals rules and the Georgia Supreme Court rules are on their website uh it tells you exactly what they're looking for in a brief the page number the word count the the um font you have to use the typeface now of course um if you don't follow those instructions to t they might not dismiss um but you have access if you if you need to write an appeal yourself educate yourself with the rules because you know you don't want to give them the option of dismissing it because you didn't follow any of those rules and they're readily available um unfortunately you know when it comes to appeals um and having a lack of access to funds that's that's one of the major barriers when it comes to an appeal um there's some organizations out there uh, for father's rights um or if a new law comes about and was used in your case that they may take it pro bono um, just to establish law, but it, that's uh, it's a huge barrier to appeals in family law. 
it's a very, very interesting process. So, uh, yeah, I, for those of you who are listening, if you're in the state of Georgia, make sure you guys contact Ka- uh, Kalina um, to hear more about it. One of the things um, in terms of financing that I think that a lot of people all don't really know is that, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong in terms of appeals, um, but you could hire a lawyer to kind of do the prep work to make sure that you get it in and make sure that it, that it's done. You don't necessarily have to retain them for the entire thing. Um, you can kind of go to a, go to an attorney to do all prep work, get consult, get consultation. Um, so you're not, not coming out of pocket full bulk, so to speak. Is that stuff something that you do in appeals as well? Um, unfortunately not really, um, because no. appeals there, uh, you can ask for an oral argument for the Georgia Court of Appeals, but they're very rarely given. I've done many appeals. I've argued in front of them once. Um, it's just very rare that they give oral arguments. So all the work is in reviewing the record and drafting the brief, and then you really decide on the brief. Now, if you have a case that falls into the jurisdiction of the Georgia Supreme Court and it's um, taken up, then that automatically has an oral argument. But unfortunately, there really isn't any prep work or anything that can be done without retaining the entire services for an appeal. I understand. So I wanted to to move our conversation over into uh, custody, especially, you know, as we're shooting this, uh, you know, it's early November and, you know, we're heading into the holiday season and uh, right after the holiday season, you know, is is basically divorce season that that happens for a reason. Um, But uh, with the holiday season, with with custody arrangement, whether it's 50, 50, 60, 40 or uh, or whatever, it's. It, there's always this interesting dynamic when it comes to when it comes to to sharing the holidays with people. Um, can you go into a little bit of the of detail or, or maybe some tips on on things that you may have seen in in the past or maybe things that you've experienced on on co-parenting? We'll we'll start out with kind of an amicable split. Um, people who may have like a healthy co-parenting situation, but maybe they're disagreeing. Maybe it's their first holiday season and and how to kind of navigate those type of issues? Yeah. So, um, you know, like you kind of pointed out, there's definitely different relationships um, when it comes to co-parenting. You know, I tell people that usually you fall into either the co-parenting or the parallel parenting. Co-parenting is more of the amicable um, co-parenting. Um, and especially if it's your first holiday season, just know that it's going to, it's going to be rough because there's going to be times that you're not going to have the kids. Um, you're dealing with your own family dynamics. So of course, you know, your mother, the grandma wants the kids over, doesn't understand why the kids aren't over. And so you're getting a lot of pressure from your family and even you'll get it all the way down to the little cousins asking, you know, where their cousins are and why they're not there. Um, and so there's going to be internally, um, controversy and work that individual parents are going to have to do just within themselves before even we addressing the amicable co-parenting relationship. Um, you know, and I tell all my clients, the parenting plan that you put in place, whether by agreement or the judge put in place, that is 
the worst case scenario. That means if you guys cannot agree to anything different, that is what you follow. If you're in an amicable co-parenting relationship, sometimes there's room for wiggle room. But it's okay if if you guys can, if there's not wiggle room that you're willing to get, give, it's okay for you to say, look, I'm just not comfortable. Um, you know, we can discuss this again next year. I'm not saying no forever, but I think we it's best we follow the parenting plan for this year. Um, and, you know, there are parents that try to, and I've even had parents make me write in parenting plans that they celebrate the holidays together. I strongly advise against that. I strongly advise because usually when you're following, when you're spending the holidays um, with the children, you're spending it with one set of family members as well, right? And you guys just went through a divorce. Um, and so regardless, usually your spouse's, your ex-spouse's family is going to be on their side um, and your family is going to be on your side. So even if your family treats the other person as well as they can, um, when they come over and you guys are divorced, um, you know, there is just so much internal dynamic between everybody that it, it really is just a recipe for disaster. There are some people that can do it. And I'm not saying it's impossible to do it, but I think especially for the first set of holidays, I probably would not advise it, even if you think you're able to do it for the first ones. Um, I think it's best to kind of set up that individual um, holidays, and, and especially in the first year, and, and get everything smoothed out. And, and it also helps establish, especially as a child of divorce, um, I have learned that holidays are not the actual day on the calendar that everybody sets that holiday. Yeah. So, you know, when you have a parenting plan and you're doing it individually, you're, you can start to set up that tradition where you celebrated a different day. Yeah. Uh, that's something I always advise people is that, you know, you don't have to celebrate Christmas on Christmas. 10 years from 10 years from now, your kids are not going to look back and say like, oh, we celebrated Christmas on December 20th instead of 25th. They're, they're literally only going to remember that they opened presents, that they had a good time, you know, uh, and, and so consider being a little bit more flexible. Uh, and, and oftentimes like that takes a lot of stress, and a lot of tension off of the kids. A lot of times it ends up being a lot more fun. Um, but uh, I, I kind of wanted to, to send that back over to you because one of the things that you opened up with is that, you know, you've experienced this, you know, as a, as a child, kind of talk about it, about it kind of looking back, you know, as an adult, you know, some things that, that you experienced and things that you would advise uh, adults. Cause there's a lot of things that we think are really big deals as, uh, as parents. And then they end up not being that big of a deal. And then things that we think, Oh, they'll get past it. And it's like, no, that's the stuff you actually need to worry about. Um, from your own experience as a child and a product of, of high conflict divorce, um, tell us a little bit about your perception and what you would advise, like what they, people need to pay attention to and things that maybe they're like, you know what, that's not really that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that especially my experience with um, a high conflict divorce, I can tell you that 
the way you speak about the other parent when they are not around um, in front of the child or within earshot of the child. I mean, children are always listening. I, I mean, I remember being on the stairs, but um, unfortunately, my mom would say it right in front of me. Um, and I've had this discussion with my mom and she still remembers very distinctly when I was about 13, I had to, I had to stand up and say, look, you can have your opinion about my father. And I know that whatever went on with you guys hurt you a lot and, and you can have those feelings towards him, but you have to allow me and my sister to form our own opinions of our father. Um, and you know, a kid really ne should never be placed in, in that position. Um, and I go over and beyond to talk to my kids um, in the, and put their uh, respective parents in the best light. And, you know, they, you, you married that person or you decided to have a child with that person. So there's still there. You've got to think. I know it might be hard, but you've got to think back to the good things. And worse comes to worse. I always tell my clients worse comes to worse. If you can't think of anything nice to say. Then and saying nothing at all is, you know, like that old adage, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all does not work in these situations, you know, because either your child has to feel like they have the ability to talk to you about good things that happen over at the other parent's house, not just the bad things, because right. you don't want them to hide that part of their lives because you don't want to hear about the other spouse. Um, so worst comes to worst, listen to your kids when they come back from the other parent's house, because I guarantee you that nine times out of 10, they're going to have something fun to say about something fun they did over there or something that made them smile. And all you have to do is parent that back. Um, I've dealt with both of my children. Um, and even as a kid, there were times that I didn't want to go over to, um, my dad's house because, um, you know, I had more friends available at my mom's house. I just, uh, uh, had it, more access to what I wanted to do on the weekend, things like that. And I didn't want to go. And my kids have said the exact same thing to me. And I know it's not for any reason of abuse or anything over at the other house. It's solely because change is hard. Um, that, you know, they prefer to stay in one location I just parrot back all those good things that they said to me last time they came back. You know, remember your dad takes you camping. Remember you get to do bonfires. How fun is that? Maybe you guys can do that again. You know, you guys went to Chick-fil-A. Don't you guys go out to eat sometimes? That's amazing. And so you just have to remember the good things your kids say about the other parent. If you can't remember anything good, then let your kids tell you the good things and parrot that back. Because there's going to be times that you're going to um, have to not necessarily encourage, but you're always going to have to allow the child to develop their relationship with the other parent for better or for one of things that I tell people, One of the things I tell people uh, is, number one, it's not a competition. Number two, if your child is having, a, even if you don't like the other parent, if your child is having a good time over there, that's a good thing. Think about it for a second. You know, uh, we may not like that other person, but are we really wishing that our child has a bad time and a bad experience over there? You know, we really have to kind of question ourselves and our own motives if that's really what we're thinking. I'm not, 
bashing anyone. I understand why people think that way because, you know, you, and there's, there's not necessarily anything wrong with seeing that, that co-parent as, you know, or what you experienced them or experienced with them, whether they cheated on you, whether they're abusive or whatever. But if your child is having a good time and a good experience over there, that's a positive, not, not a negative. And we can separate the two. You can have your own opinions and your own ideas and your own experience and know that yes, this person, you know, caused me harm, hurt me in multiple different ways. And at the same time, my child is having a good experience over there and the two don't have to, don't have to, you know, collide. That's what good, healthy mental and emotional boundaries look like. Yep. I I absolutely agree. You've got to um, separate who you're, partner was as a partner is completely different from who your partner is as a parent and you have to once that partner relationship ends you now have to see them as solely as what their relationship is as a parent yeah absolutely kalina thank you very much this has been absolutely absolutely amazing um we you know i i think that people have you know that have definitely tapped into a wealth of knowledge with you. I mean, you have so, so much experience. I mean, from, I, I learned a lot today because of all of your experience. Um, I, I think a lot of attorneys that, that we have on here obviously have a lot of courtroom experience and a lot of experience with that, uh, with their clients. I have no idea about the appeals process. Uh, that is definitely something that we, that we took away today. Um, you know, this first time that you and I have connected off of TikTok. So this is the first time I knew about your, your personal background and your personal experience. And this first time that, um, a lawyer has opened up about their personal experience of being a, a child of high conflict divorce. A lot of attorneys have experienced it personally in terms of going through their own divorce, which you've experienced as well. Um, but, uh, you have really, really opened up a lot of dialogue. So we appreciate you so much. Uh, can you tell people where they can find you at, tell people where they can, you know, connect with you if they want to, uh, what, want a consultation or connect with you with your practice and then also all of your social media handles as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, if you can reach out to my office, it's KF Law LLC. Um, you can look us up on, on Google online, just call for a consultation. Um, I also, I'm on TikTok. I my handle is G A Lawyer, and um, I try to make uh, educational content on there. I need to get back into it. Um, I also have Instagram, which I don't really upload very often to, um, but that's G A Lawyer with a Q at the end. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much. If you need to track me down, um, especially call my office. My my legal assistant can track me down anywhere. <laughs> Well, thank you everyone for listening and make sure you guys, uh, regardless of what platform you're listening to this on, make sure you guys go down to the comments, comment section. Let us know a takeaway that you may have taken away, something that you may have learned. Also, make sure you go to uh, Kalina's, uh, all of her social media handles, give her a follow, let her know that you support her, uh, share out all of her content so people can can see it or connect with her yourself. Make sure you guys give her some follow, give her give her some love as well. With all that being said, thank you very much, and we will see you in the next episode.